Good morning. I hope you guys are doing well this morning. We're so glad to be together just again. Spring has come, it feels like. It's just a good day. Um, so this morning is our call to worship. Uh, just as a way to remember who our God is, I want to read from Isaiah 40. This will be on the screen for you. It says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my, my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So this is the God that we worship and take refuge in. So this morning, let's come to him and rejoice. about this song is how it talks about Jesus. He was so familiar with suffering. Nothing that we have or will suffer can compare to what he suffered. And he suffered on our behalf that the redemption is coming to this world. So let's remember that. 
Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So right now, if your faith is in Jesus, or if you put your faith in Jesus, even in suffering, you can rejoice. So let's sing this. This is Jesus. Oh, our sickness, all our sorrow, Jesus carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. He's turning tragedy to triumph. He's turning agony to praise. There is blessing in this battle. So take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice. Because when you cried in so good to remember him. It's so good to remember our God, that Jesus suffered just like we suffer, but he did it without sin. And this morning, if we're honest, we can all confess that we have sinned against our God. So we just want to take a minute to do what we, we call it a confession and assurance, where we confess our sins, not because we're, we haven't been forgiven, but just because we want to remember that we are sinners in need of a Savior and then we'll receive his assurance, the good news of what Jesus did for us. So let's say this together. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions. We confess we have done what is evil in your sight. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But in repentance, we come to you and we cry out together. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquities and cleanse us from our sins. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us. And friends, Wherever you're at this morning, just stop for a second and hear this good news. This is good news. And it's for all of us if we have our faith in Jesus. The great news of the gospel this morning is that if you put your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can be assured that you have been washed whiter than snow. Your sins are remembered no more. Thank you, God. He has removed your dead heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh alive to follow him. He has put a new spirit in you and has promised never to cast you out of his presence. 
He offers you unshakable joy from now into eternity so that even in suffering, you can rejoice. So with longing for his returning, let us earnestly pray this together. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Yeah. And we're going to sing a song um, that I just feel like the Lord just put on my heart for us to sing as a church. It's a song I wrote. And um, as we're in a season of so much change and things in our lives don't look the way that they've always looked, honestly. And um, this song is just about the Lord showing us that he is the only thing that will satisfy us. So man, let's just, you can just listen. You can just pray along with me as I sing this. You can sing along however you want to engage. But I just ask you, man, make this song your prayer that we would see that Jesus is better than everything else. May we taste and see that every other thing leaves us dry. May we taste and see that you alone satisfy. May we taste and see that you're the only way to All the things we've run to, may they stay dry, that we go to Jesus. Let the empty wells stay empty still. Every broken cistern, never give me fill. That my feet may run on the heights back to out that he would come in this moment of so much weakness and fear and trembling in our communities that he would come and flood us with his presence oh god come come flood the banks
one more time. May we taste that you're better. May we taste and see that every other thing leaves us dry. May we taste and see that you alone satisfy. May we taste and see that you We're going to have Carrie in come and pray for us. Good morning. We're going to spend some time praying this morning for our farmers and local businesses in our communities of Collins, Baxter, Maxwell, Colo, and surrounding areas. Um, would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we come to you today and humbly lift up our farmers and local businesses to you. Lord, I pray for the farmers and the crops that they're putting in your beautiful earth during this planting season. I pray that you keep each of them safe from any spread of COVID as they're out doing their business as usual. And I pray that you would make their crop plentiful, that you would surpass any expectations of what they think a good year could be. Thank you for this wonderful weather we've been having. It's been so refreshing to be outside and to see all the tractors out in the fields. Lord, I also pray for the businesses in our small town communities. Lord, I pray that the impact from COVID would be minimal to their bottom line and life-changing in their hearts. I pray that you are providing security in a way that can only be explained by you having a hand in it. And once they're able to open back up, I pray that you provide in ways they didn't see as possible. I lift up both groups of people and pray that during this time of quarantine and uncertainty, that they would feel your presence and be seeking you out, Lord. That they would turn to you first before trying to get through this on their own. Lord, we know you're a big God and that you have your hand in everything. We know you move things for our good and for your glory. Lord, I pray that it be supernaturally evident to these people that only our mighty God is in, in control. You alone are in charge, Lord. We love you, Jesus. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. We really are just so glad to be with you guys this morning and um, we want to welcome you to Sacred Mission Church. Maybe this is your first time. I don't know, but we're just really glad that you've joined us this morning. So in the chat that's just right to the side of the screen, we want to invite you to share where you're, where you're at and who you're with. And um, just feel free to talk to each other on there and greet each other like Jesus would greet us. So in just a second, um, Josh is going to come on a video and do our announcements and our giving time. So we'll welcome him in just a second. Good morning, Sacred Mission Church. My name is Josh, and I'm joining you from Marshalltown with my family. And it's uh, so good to be worshiping with you all here in my in front of my fireplace. Um, but it's just good to be with you all together today. And um, we've been worshiping the Lord through songs in our heart, and now we're going to continue to worship Him through our giving. So if you're a guest today, uh, we want you to know that there is no pressure to give. Uh, we're just really glad you're here, and uh, for those of us who are Christians uh, we're, and committed to this church, God calls us to give generously and sacrificially. So 
Uh, we wanted to just draw our attention to um, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, uh, which reads, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. And so this passage, we, we read about a group of believers that were very poor. Uh, there is no expectation on Paul's part uh, for them to give towards the relief of Christians in other churches. But it says that out of their abundance of joy that they gave. And this was a result of the grace of God. And so in Hebrews 9, it tells us that we who have received the gospel have been set free from dead works to serve the living God. And, and so when we give, it is out of our freedom that we give and not out of duty or responsibility, but it's, it, it's out of that abundance of joy that they gave. And right now during um, this pandemic, there's lots of opportunities for us to be reaching out with the gospel, to be expressing our freedom to the world that's around us. And a big way that we can express that freedom is through giving. And so I just invite you to give today. And so I'm just going to pray into that. Just Lord, I ask Jesus that Lord, you would overflow our hearts with an abundance of joy that that would result in a freedom to to just give generously out of how you've provided for us uh, to serve um, those around us with with happiness and gladness and i just ask lord that that lord you would do the work here that you did in that church in macedonia and that lord you would just bring about a freedom that um, uh, that is just infectious and that the world is thirsty for. And I asked it that you would just do it right now today, this morning, as we draw our hearts to you, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. And so um, I just want to uh, give you one more quick announcement. Uh, we want to invite everyone who is joining us today, um, not to just watch on Sunday mornings, but to jump into community groups. Uh, if you're a visitor or even if you live uh, far away uh, from this area um, and you don't have a home church, um, be, we'd love to have you join us and um, reach out to us and you can zoom in. We're all becoming Zoom experts these days and uh, we would just enjoy getting to know you. Um, so our groups are still meeting throughout the week. Um, follow the link that we'll post in the chat um, uh, to find a group that uh, that's near you or that's on a night that works for you. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Madison for our last announcement. Good morning, guys. Um, thank you so much, Josh, for doing that for us. Um, I have just two more announcements for us. Um, first off is VBS. I am so, so excited for the opportunity that I feel like the Lord has given us in partnering with the Collins Christian Church and for um, the timing of everything right now with the COVID-19. Um, I think that there are going to be people that will be showing up to VBS that um, 
never would have considered going in the first place. And so um, what I would like to do is just invite you guys to um, sign up to serve and volunteer for VBS. We don't know when it's going to be. Um, there's so much uncertainty right now about how long everything's going to go on being kind of crazy. So um, no date, but I would love it if you would just go ahead and volunteer to serve and love on these kids who um, may not even know the name of Jesus, um, just so that we are prepared that as soon as we get the green light for that, we are able to jump in um, and serve and love these kids and families well. And then the final announcement is our kids sermon notes. Right now in the comment section, we're going to be posting a link and there you can um, parent it off the parents print them off for your kids and we'll have fun things to do so that everyone can pay attention and everyone can listen um, and learn today. So now if you wouldn't mind grabbing your Bibles, we're going to have Pastor Tim come up and preach today. Thank you, Madison, so much. It is good to be together again. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things with those kids' sermon notes, too, going through the book of Daniel, is there is just a massive amount of amazing things to draw uh, as we go through the narrative of Daniel. And uh, and we're, we're trying in our happenings email to send those notes out on Tuesday. So even if uh, parents want to print those out well in advance, uh, look for those in our happenings email. And if you don't receive those, we'll put that link to sign up for happenings in there as well. Um, Last week, we started going through the book of Daniel. The entire world had just been absolutely in major disruption. Uh, would life ever get back to the way that it used to be? How should we live in the midst of the world being utterly turned upside down? Um, this sounds like today, but it perfectly describes 7th century BC at the time of Daniel, uh, as Babylon has become the most powerful empire of its day, and Babylon has just uh, kidnapped four middle school boys and are trying to brainwash them and give them a new identity as Babylonians and not as God's people as they used to see themselves. And uh, if you missed last week, uh, it, it just I really believe that God is leading us, a sacred mission church, to really meditate on this book during this time. It feels just really crucial for us uh, as, as even as we're being formed as a church. And so uh, if you miss any of these, I, I would encourage you to, to go, and if you just go to sacredmission.church, we have a main link there that's sermons, and then we have events too, events and sermons, and so uh, th those are just really great ways to stay up to uh, what's going on, and you can download that and listen to that as you're doing stuff outside when it's beautiful and all that stuff. Um, so today we're going to cover the first half of chapter two. Next week we're going to cover the second half of chapter two. Both are stunning absolutely stunning, and it all starts with his dream, with Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Look at verse 1, Daniel 2, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, 
I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Uh, This is a little technical, but the Babylonians considered the first year of the reign of a new king to be just called the ascension year, as they're ascending into the throne. So the first year of their reign is actually the second year, kind of confusing, but all that to say that this Verse 1 of chapter 2 is happening three years after verse after chapter 1. So after everything we looked at last week, three years later now, and we can read in the text, it seems like Daniel's kind of been forgotten. So yeah, Daniel was huge in chapter 1, but it's kind of like maybe the president or the king had seen so many people, done so many ceremonies. Three years later, it's like, oh yeah, I think I maybe vaguely remember a guy possibly during that one time. Um, but uh, this is three years later and he has not just one dream. Look, it's plural in the verse there. He had multiple dreams that completely disturb him. And maybe it's the exact same dream that he's just having like Groundhog Day, like just over and over and over and over again. Or maybe it's different uh, dreams about the same type of thing. But whatever it is, he can't sleep. And these aren't the kind of dreams that I think a lot of us would have where like you're like, oh yeah, I had a weird dream last night. And then over breakfast, you like share the dream. Someone gives like usually the, the default response is, wow, that was weird. Uh, I wonder what that means. Uh, then, uh, you know, it's kind of like shrugging the shoulder and being like, well, I don't know what it means. And then you just go on with your day, right? Like that, that's it. Case closed, you know, you move on. Uh, maybe you can't move on from your dreams, but um, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't. He couldn't move on from his dream. He had to know what it meant. He must know the truth. He is so bothered that he can't go on with life as it used to be. He must know the truth behind what's troubling his spirit. Nebuchadnezzar then, I mean, he's like, well, I'm the king. So he turns to all of the spiritual people, all of the spiritual people, many of them professionals at being spiritual and knowing uh, that type of thing. All of the best that the entire empire of Babylon has to offer, offer, he just throws all of the resources of Babylon towards interpreting his dream. Can you believe that? Throws all of his resources towards interpreting his dream, and he won't settle for just any explanation. It needs to be true no matter the cost. Um, Man, I think a good question for us is like, have you ever been bothered so deeply like this? Have you ever been bothered so much that you just, it felt like you just had to stop your life to try and figure out what was true? Um, For me, really, when it first happened in my life, was in 1994, 1995, I had started to be really troubled by something that had never troubled me before, um, my sin. I mean, I had sinned before, but it had never like deeply bothered me. I got addicted in 1994, 1995. I got addicted to doing a bunch of hidden secret sins that I thought no one would ever find out about, I thought would really make me happy. And in the midst of pleasure, my spirit was troubled. My spirit was deeply troubled. I was even living in this house at the time, and, uh, and I even had times of losing sleep because of how troubled my spirit was. 
what was this weight of conviction that I was feeling? Where was this coming from? How do I get it off of me? How do I get this God that I just suddenly, I think, realize exists? How do I get him off my back? Like, how, how do I get to where I'm not being just, like, so troubled in my spirit? And it, for me, it started a, what ended up being a three-year search for truth, for not just someone's ideas, but I needed to make sure it was true to find something that would change my troubled spirit. Um, Nebuchadnezzar has way more resources than I had now, and definitely more resources than I had as a high school student at Collins Maxwell in 1994. Um, Look at how he is looking for truth in Babylon and the ways the elite spiritual people are responding to him. He's looking for truth in Babylon. Verse 4. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream, what? He just said said that. If you don't make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. And your house, your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. At the at the beginning of this section, the Chaldeans the Chaldeans just seem like they got it, no problem. We got this. This is a softball, man. We're gonna hit it out of the park. We can do this. You just tell us the dream, and the interpretation will be forthcoming. It will just serve it right up to you on a platter, no problem. For the king, though, this is a life and death matter to know what is true. True truth. The people Nebuchadnezzar are speaking to are not messing around once the surprise of verse five hits them. Once Nebuchadnezzar says, you gotta tell me the dream or I'm gonna kill you and everybody you know and destroy your houses and all your family. Verse seven, look at this. In verse seven, they shockingly pretend like they didn't hear verse five. Verse, you know, he's like, you have to tell me the dream. And then um, they're kind of like, well, let's kind of pretend. And then verse seven, the answer a second time, just tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar, um, it's sober to realize that Nebuchadnezzar can actually back up his threats. His threats are not just empty threats from a hothead. Like he actually has the means to back up the threats in his pursuit of truth. Um, look at 2 Kings 25, or you can see it on the screen here. 2 Kings 25, 6 through 7. This is how Nebuchadnezzar treats a king, a king of Israel, Zedekiah. Here in verse 6 of 2 Kings 25, then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains and took him to Babylon. 
I mean, that is a grotesque passage. It is, uh, it's disturbing to even think about. With Zedekiah, the king of Israel, they kill, Nebuchadnezzar is behind this, and Nebuchadnezzar tells them, kill all of his sons right in front of him, and I want to make sure it's the last thing he ever sees on planet Earth. I want those images stuck in his head. And so as soon as that he sees that, take his eyes out from him, and then however long he lives after all of that trauma, have him live in a prison in Babylon. I mean, this is the guy we're dealing with here in this section of scripture, is a guy who orders things like that, and they happen. So look at verse 8. The king answered and said, I know with certainty, and these people who are interacting with him know this is him, right? They're not messing around here. This is serious. Verse 8, the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream. I mean, I'm kind of being loud here because I think he's probably not just being calm here. I think he is, he is passionate and livid here. Tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king. I mean, man, it's their job. It's the whole reason that their industry exists in Babylon is to tell things like this. And look at this moment of honesty in verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet your demands. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one, no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Man, there's so, I mean, we could spend an hour just on this passage. There's so much that these people are revealing about their thoughts, their thoughts about God, the way the Babylonian Empire thinks, the way the Babylonian Empire acts, uh, the environment that Daniel and his friends had to become experts of in order to not be killed in chapter one. Here, it's likely the people, I think it's likely that the people weren't trying to deceive Nebuchadnezzar. They may have genuinely believed that they had spiritual powers. Maybe they believed in what they did. Maybe they really thought their interpretations of dreams were true if someone shared the dream. But when it was framed the way that Nebuchadnezzar framed the discussion, where they had to tell the dream first, then give the interpretation. It was at that point that these people had clarity and that they realized and shared, there's no way we can do what you're asking us to do. We are way out of our league here. We could not offer this. These services cannot be offered in Babylon. This type of truth cannot be found in Babylon. This is their response. Uh, they go as, uh, as far to say that... Um, that you would have to turn to the gods to be able to have this type of information, and the gods don't talk to people. They don't interact with people. They don't dwell with flesh. The full wisdom of Babylon is able to see only a fractured view of reality. Think of it that way. All of the wisdom of Babylon can just see a fractured view 
view of reality. It's like looking through glass that's just all cracked up and you're not seeing a clear picture. They're true. These, these people are actually accurate when they say that there's not a person on earth who can reveal the deepest of truths. It's like, yes, yes, but they're speaking way out of their depth when they say that the gods do not dwell with flesh or they don't interact with people. Um, that's a fractured view of reality. They only know half-truths in that. Um, if you're looking outside of God to define reality, it will always be a fractured view of reality. Some truth, some half-truths, and lots of people speaking things that they have no idea about. Look at verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious. Why do we keep you on the payroll? You know, it's probably the way people would talk in 2020. But because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. Not just the people he was talking to, but any person who's considered a wise man of Babylon should be destroyed. Verse 13, so the decree went out. There's no Senate debate. There's no vote. He's the king, and this is going to happen. The decree went out. The wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Not to ask their advice. They sought them to kill them. An entire group of people are to be killed throughout his empire because they aren't able to give him the truth he's looking for. They just told him there's no way a person can know this type of truth. Verse 14, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. He hadn't, Daniel hadn't heard any of this. Arioch, the guy who was sent to kill him, Daniel actually has the confidence to actually have a conversation with the guy and be like, hey, hold on a second. Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Um, those, in verse 14, we saw two words, prudence and discretion. So I looked up kind of the meaning of these words. Prudence is being calm in the face of danger. Is that interesting? An ability to be calm in the face of danger. Discretion is speaking in a way to avoid causing an offense. So with a, a, a calmness in the face of danger, He's able to, to diffuse Arioch here a little bit. He's able to diffuse him. He's even able to get a meeting scheduled for the next day with the king of Babylon, with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel hasn't heard anything that's been going on, and Daniel has amazing confidence. And he's creative, because he's like, well, I can either be killed right now, or we can look to God, and if God gives the interpretation, then I'll be alive tomorrow. If God doesn't, I'll be dead tomorrow, but, it, but that'll be tomorrow. So he says, hey, I'll come tomorrow and give you the interpretation. And, and for him to be able to say that 
um, man, there's a confidence there. Uh, there's a there's a craftiness there, a creativity there, and um, and where he goes is Daniel. Instead of looking to Babylon for truth, Daniel is looking to God in Babylon. Daniel's looking to God in Babylon. Look at verse seventeen. Then Daniel went to his house. He made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. They didn't know about it either. He made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, Companions, verse 18, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel looks to God in Babylon. He doesn't embrace this cultural moment of freaking out. He instead embraces his God. He looks to his God. He comes together with his companions. I hope you have companions like this. I hope that Sacred Mission Church is a place where we are a community of companions like this, that in times like this where our culture is freaking out, we can look to the God of heaven together. It's in the night that the vision is revealed. Daniel worships the Lord, and what is awesome is that we actually have the worship that he, uh, that he says to God. Um, and I hope that Daniel's worship becomes an anthem for us in this season. I've woken up this week each morning thinking about this anthem of Daniel's worship in a time like this. Uh, Look at verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. Man, just knowing that. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my, fa- my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. If you believe to God belongs wisdom and might, if you really believe that, if you believe that in God, that he has wisdom and might. If you just believe those two things, you'll actively be looking to him in prayer for a lifetime. We see this through Daniel and we'll keep seeing this. Whenever I think of Daniel 2, it's these two words that seem to just be tattooed on my soul. Wisdom and might. God has those. That's him. That's what what gives Daniel this calmness in the storm. It's what gives Daniel confidence in uncertainty is he's looking to the one who's wise. He's looking to the one who has power. How great Daniel proclaims the reality that God knows what is in the darkness. 
what's around the corner, the unknown, the uncertainty, those are not unknown, those are not uncertain, those are not hidden from his view. He's able to peer into the darkest darkness with ease and light dwells with him. It's amazing that Daniel starts by saying that wisdom and might belong to God. And then look at verse 23, that God has given Daniel wisdom and might. This is the amazing thing about our God is that he gives us what he has to those who seek him and are being used by God for his purposes. And so the God of wisdom and might gives wisdom and might to Daniel in such a time as this. Daniel has looked to God in Babylon. He's heard from God. Now in verse 24, he steps towards sharing what God has revealed to him. Daniel withdrew to solitude with his companion, and now he goes for it. He steps into the moment. He steps into the palace of the king of Babylon, sharing truth in Babylon. There's a lot for us here in how Daniel shares what God shows to him. Look at verse 24. Here's how he shares what God has given him. Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. Imagine that. The guy has an order in his pocket to kill him, and he goes to him, and he says, don't destroy us. No, he doesn't say that. He says, don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen that's interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no, no wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. And let's pause there. I know the verse goes on, but let's pause right here because I think Daniel possibly paused here. When Nebuchadnezzar asked Daniel, can you interpret the dream? I love that Daniel says, no. This could have been a great time for Daniel to like be real prideful, to talk about a, a book deal that he's you know, working on that uh, you know, to share with people how to whatever. And he could have been really selfish and been like, yeah, I can, no one else can. I can. I'm pretty awesome. I, uh, man, I'm really smart. And uh, you might have remembered me from that other time when I was 10 times smarter than everybody else. And oh, man, you're so good to have me in your kingdom. Uh, man, he has the presence in that moment in the palace to speak not fractured reality, but to speak a beautiful truth to let, let Nebuchadnezzar knows. No, I am not able to tell you your dream. I don't have the power to speak truth into the deepest places in your life. But there is a God in heaven. <laughs> yes, yes, oh man. Okay, look at verse 28 here. This is him now picking it up to Nebuchadnezzar. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you. Didn't make known to Daniel and his friends. Daniel's letting him know he is making known to you 
Nebuchadnezzar, this God of heaven is making known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Nebuchadnezzar viewed himself as being close to a God, being the closest to a God as any human could be on earth, worthy of worship. We'll see this in chapter three. Daniel is considerate to Nebuchadnezzar, but clearly shares the might of God and how the God, not God's, how the God, the only God is pursuing Nebuchadnezzar to address his troubled spirit, not just by interpreting a dream, but revealing himself to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't need just a dream interpreted. Daniel knows this. Nebuchadnezzar needs way more than a dream interpreted. Nebuchadnezzar must come to terms that this God who sees in the darkness and in whom light dwells, this is who he needs to consider. This is what he needs to be focused on. The idea of God dwelling with people was unheard of for Babylonians. But God's relationship with his people was full of him dwelling with people, walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, his glory filling the tabernacle, dwelling with Moses on the mountaintop, indwelling the temple in Jerusalem. And one day, the God would not just dwell with man, but actually become flesh to rescue us completely. Um, Next week, we're gonna actually look at the actual dream And it is crazy, uh, this dream, and it actually gets up into our time period, uh, which is unbelievable. So we'll we'll look at that. You can read ahead if you're just dying to see how all of that plays out. Uh, But today, I feel like God has shown us just so much about himself through this, through the life of Daniel. So much God could be doing in us as we're now alive and we get to live with him. We get to live with him as our spirits are troubled. We get to live with him in dark times with uncertainty and to have light dwelling in him and him being the one that we look to and not looking to to our Babylon for answers, but instead to looking to our God to actually reveal things that can only be revealed by him. As we meet uncertain times, we have this wise and mighty God. Um, Let's pray together, and as we pray together, uh, would each of us just pray with our, our lives opened to, to this God, with our lives opened up to him, not praying just as like, that's how we end the service, but praying as, uh, how could we not hear this and not be changed? How could we hear this and not move towards him? How could we hear this and try and go back to our wise men of Babylon, but instead to uh, hear this and move towards him? And so, Lord, uh, we do want to pray for, um, you know, Every single person that is listening to this, not one human soul is listening to this or watching this accidentally. Not one person is watching this accidentally. Lord, I thank you that um, this chapter of Daniel is for our good, that you described perfect events that actually happened. You did not uh, mess up the history here. You recorded this with incredible detail so that we could not uh, have a fractured view of you, but that we could actually have a clear view of reality. And Lord, 
where we are like Nebuchadnezzar and um, we are searching for things that are troubling our spirit, searching for truth, Lord, would you actually give us some of the good aspects of Nebuchadnezzar, which is a passionate pursuit of truth? Lord, would we not grow lazy in having our spirits troubled than just uh, watching Netflix or however else we could try to uh, just like cover over deep parts of us that are longing for you, longing for what is true. Uh, But Lord, instead, uh, for those of us who are watching this and have never put their trust, we've never put our faith in Jesus to save us from our sins, uh, Lord, would you just, I ask in this moment that you would move in the hearts of those watching who have not put their faith in Jesus and just let them know the truth, the truthfulness that yes, indeed, that you did give your life for them so that their sins could be forgiven. All that you ask them to do is to to trust you, to trust you with their lives, and I pray that they would. And so, Lord, for those who are following Jesus right now for the first time or maybe are more like Daniel's story and have been walking with you for a long time, Lord, you are worthy to come to as our wise, mighty God um, who is knows darkness and light dwells with you. And Lord, I just ask that you would do a work in us where the way that Daniel and his companions were looking to you and confidently standing in the middle of such uncertainty. Lord, would you make us a sacred mission church? Lord, would you make us to be those people now? Daniel and his friends had their time, and it's our time now, Lord, and we want to be, we just want to say yes and amen to whatever you have for us, not so we could get any credit, Lord, but we just want to be your people who are living faithfully at this time. Lord, show us what that looks like in our community groups this week. Would you allow us to just come together and really sharpen each other, what this looks in each one of our lives, and Lord, would we just say yes and amen to what you're doing? We love you, Jesus, in your name we pray these things, amen. Thank you so much for being a part of this gathering. Um, we'll, be, we'll be getting together in community groups throughout this week. And if you've never visited one of our groups, uh, please don't wait until we start getting together in person. Um, we're doing them through Zoom, and they're, they're, they're okay. <laughs> they're not as, as good as if we're in person. But to, to get together around Scripture, to pray together, to share your life, and, and just be around other companions is awesome and is, is worthy of each of our time. And so I just encourage all of us and, and we, every, every group would love for you to visit it. So we'll put some information there too. But I hope you have a great day and thanks again for gathering together.